Hey yo, what up? Welcome in, Sons of Swanee Sportscast today, uh, getting ready to talk about a lot of news this week, TJ, a lot of big news this week. Yeah, that's right, Hunter. It seems to change every moment. You know, we, we, we get a show ready to go, we get a script ready, and here we are with pen and paper right now, writing new updates as we talk, but... Just uh, speaking of updates, wanted to let you know that there are other ways now that you'll be able to listen to us. We thank you for tuning in. If you listened to our first episode, you were able to listen to us on Spotify and also off of the Anchor platform that we have this podcast based off of. Now we also are able to be found on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. So spread the word out there. Let people know that there's a way that you can listen to us. Uh, subscribe, like, and review our, our podcast and let us know what you think so far. So I was thinking about this like... You know how Barstool Sports, there are people that listen to them are called stoolies. And then like, you know, Jimmy Buffett has the parrot heads and there's the dead heads. Like what are our what are our groupies gonna be called? Wait, we yeah, we gotta figure that out. It can't be the sons, because what if there's women? Because like when I say groupies, that's right. It's probably my wife and your wife. <laughs> so like what do we what do we call them? We gotta we gotta we gotta work on that before before the bandwagon yeah. gets too big. Let us know, give us suggestions. We need we need a name for the groupies of the Sons of Swanee. <laughs> Bring it on. So TJ Big news today. We're recording today on what is today? Tuesday. Tuesday. Second yep. day of school. And uh, the Big Ten has canceled college football season. I know we're going to get to a lot of high school stuff, but big news today Big Ten has canceled their season, followed swiftly by the Pac 12. Instant reaction. Wow. Just you wanted to maybe hope for the best, but you couldn't help but feel like this was going to be the first domino that falls. Uh, I felt that ACC and SEC would stay strong and, and not be willing to budge off of their course Still looks just like that. yet. Yes. Um, so if if you had to say one of the Power Five conferences who would start it, I probably would have guessed the Big Big Ten. Well, like so so far, the two of them, the Big Ten and the Pac-12, have been in lockstep. Like when one does something, the other does it. And just I don't know. You hate, be careful with the way you say it, but where they are geographically. I think it's way more likely that they they would be the first to cancel. Yeah, and you know they're the ones that they say like with the COVID, it might it might spread a little bit worse in colder situations. So you you think like you said geographically where those schools are located, they're the ones that are going to be out there in snow. <laughs> I don't think Florida State or Florida's going to have to worry about it anytime soon, right? As far as that's concerned. So, but I did find it really interesting. So they canceled, but even before this, the, all the tea leaves were reading that they were going to cancel. But Scott Frost, head coach at Nebraska, also James Franklin, um, head coach at Penn State, have both said that they are going to look at other ways for their teams to play. Yep. So just because the conference is canceling, you know, hold everything, doesn't mean that every school is going to cancel. And so that'll be interesting to see what happens. But, man, I tell you, it all, to me, it all comes back to liability. It's mm-hmm. all, I think, the, the ADs, the coaches, the players, I think they would want to play. But I think the president's walked from their office down to the lawyer's office and said, hey, what are we looking at? And liability-wise, that came up. And the other thing, a friend of the program texted to me the other day, anonymous friend of the program, that was a good point. The Pac-12, these players last week were talking about gathering up, almost unionizing, mm-hmm. sending a list of demands to the Pac-12 and blah, blah, blah. Well, what's an easy way to make that go away? Hey, guys, we're just going to punt this to yep. spring. Yep. So then that goes away, yep. and you know, and here we are. But I think I think the ACC, the SEC, the ones, let's be honest, the ones we really care about, I think they're on the right track. Um, Greg Sankey came out with a tweet yesterday. 
uh, said the best advice. He's the commissioner of the SEC. Said the best advice I've received since COVID-19. Be patient. Yep. Take time when making decisions. This is all new, and you'll gain better information each day. And the thing is, there's not a rush. Like they've pushed everything back to September. We're not playing games till September anyway. Right. So why all of a sudden? I mean, the Big Ten released a schedule last week. And then they canceled this week. Like, what happened in those five days? What's so earth-shattering that happened that now you're saying you can't play? I don't know. And I, I even read something somewhere where a lot of ADs basically every single day, if not multiple times a day, from these Power Five conferences have been on Zoom calls, conference calls, what, whatever the, the, the form may be. And they were trying to have a uniformed approach. And from what I read, it kind of was like the Big Ten kind of went out on their own and did their own thing and said, hey, you know, we're, we're going to – Move to a ten-game schedule. We're going and then ultimately decided to cancel their season, and it kind of caught some of the other Power Five ads off guard. Yeah. So uh, I, you know, it, it's interesting just to see how the cookie crumbles from here. And I, I think you know, ACC, SEC, the, the schools we care about the most, the ones that, let's be honest, outside of Ohio State, are probably going to be in the college football playoffs right. anyways. If, right. if it was a regular year. They're, they're wanting to play football. And right. what I found very interesting, Hunter, recently, the the hashtag, we want to play, mm-hmm. that came on from the, the player's side. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence, quarterback Tre- at Clemson, yep. leading yep. the charge. And uh, Justin Fields has been very right. active, the Ohio State quarterback. I think I even saw today on Twitter after the Big Ten made their announcement, he just sent out a tweet that just said, SMH, shake my head. Yeah. So so when the when the presumptive, presumptive, presumptive is not a word, presumptive, Number one and number two picks in the NFL draft next year, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, are leading the charge. That gets a little more traction. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's not like the punter from Western Kentucky exactly. is the one leading the charge. Yeah, yeah and you know, it, it It almost feels a little late, I think, it, just in my personal opinion. Uh, it, it, the players should realize that they have a little bit of power, I think, in this. And, and in these unprecedented times, it seems like everything's kind of up for grabs anyway. So why not? Use your voice for leverage. We even seen our president weigh in and say he, you know, he wants to see them play. That he mm-hmm. even got behind the hashtag we want to play, and he came out with the video today where um, it just showed highlights from last year's uh, season, and he says, "Hey, we want to play." That's right. New drinking game. Anytime we say the phrase "unprecedented time" or "you're like any other," unlike any other, you take a shot. <laughs> All right, we spent more time than I care talking about the Big Ten, so let's get. Quickly, before we get into our Swanee stuff today, which we're going to hit on this with a little bit of Swanee stuff, but um, talking a little more ACC, SEC football, specifically Florida State and Florida. Um, Ron DeSantis today had a round table at Florida State University. Uh, President John Thrasher, President of Florida State University, Coach Mike Norvell, and uh, two defensive players from Florida State, Joshua Kando, and I'm sorry, and one offensive player, Joshua Kando defense, Keyshawn Helton offense, uh, spoke at a round table today about their desire to play. And this is the second roundtable uh, that Ron DeSantis has had in the last two weeks. And, of course, the first, TJ, it, it starred our head coach, the one and only Kyler Hall. We may need to get, like, an appointment now to yeah, see him superstar. because he's we, we, worldwide. We, yeah, we may need to get with his agent to, to <laughs> schedule an appointment. But, you know, speaking of agents, I, I'm starting to wonder if you're not with DeSantis behind all this because it goes straight from, from our boy Kyler Hall to your university. That's right. Um if DeSantis had any pull, I think in Georgia, we'd see him on Mercer's campus pretty soon. <laughs> so what's funny, and I don't think Kyler will mind if I tell the story. So Kyler, I was talking to him last week. We had a golf tournament last week for the football team and for our scholarship that we that we sponsor. And um, Kyler was kind of telling the story to me about how this went down. 
and he was at a doctor's appointment in Gainesville and he was um, headed back to Live Oak and was on the phone with Dan Marcy who we're going to hear from a little later today in our interview this week and um, said he got a call you know from an unknown number and it's one of those things most of us we don't answer the unknown right. numbers anymore and he just said for whatever reason this one said Daytona Beach Florida and he flipped over and hello hey Kyler yes sir hey Ron DeSantis oh hey 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 Ron how you doing <laughs> so that's just kind of funny like just called him out of the blue and um, talked to him a little bit and asked him to come and be on this forum because I think uh, Kyler he and Kyler had some mutual contacts that that the guy a couple guys had asked him to reach out to Kyler and he did and um, glad to see it worked out and I thought Kyler represented Swanee County represented himself very very well made a lot of great points and um, for those who haven't seen it you may can go still go back on WCTV's website and uh, find that forum from last week it was held at the University of North Florida uh, Charlie Ward was also on the forum. Right. Uh, Lido Shepard from Shepherd. the University of Florida, and uh, Chancellor, the Chancellor, no Commissioner of Education, Richard Corcoran, uh, was also on there. So, so several people, and um, really good information that they talked about. Just really the the desire to get to play high school football right. this fall, and um, that kind of leads us in. We'll talk about this real quick, and then we'll jump back a little bit to college stuff. But uh, FHSAA board meeting coming up this Friday, a big one. That's um, right. We talked a little bit last week about how the FHSA has had the two board meetings thus far totaling seven hours, and it was like the meeting's about nothing. Yes. You know, the first one was four hours, and we changed nothing. The second yes. one was three hours, and we bumped back two weeks. And so this week is to decide a couple things. A couple things are on the table. Uh, number one is, do we stay the course and start playing classics, kickoff classics or regular season, uh, either September 4th or September 11th? The second thing that's on the table is pushing the fall sports season back to November 30th. Yes. And that, to me, is a non-starter, in my opinion. But there's another kind of something that came out. Allison Posey uh, from one of the local stations in Tallahassee put out a tweet last night, and that recommendation was moving some sports. So moving football and volleyball, long story short, football and volleyball to the spring, and moving baseball and track to the fall. So what do you think about that, just off the cuff? I, it's very interesting that that happens. I, the sports that you just involved there, you, you for, <laughs> for lack of better terms, I guess you can a little bit social distance in, in baseball and track and field, more so than obviously a contact sport that is that is football and, and even volleyball where you'll have a bunch of people inside the gym communicating, constantly yelling out different calls to their own teammates and things like that. So. I, it's, it's interesting that now the logistics of all that boy that that's that's going to be very interesting to see how all of that works and I, I just kind of think back to our last week episode with with uh, coach Braun and how he talks about the funding that the football team provides mm, yes really helps out with a lot of these other sports so in my mind it's like okay well we start school football starts right away we get this money we get this revenue I, I, Hunter, you could probably speak a little bit better about this because of who you used to be when you just, with, with your AD position. <laughs> Many moons ago. Yeah. Many moons. But I have to think that that money off the jump from the football team really helps some of these other teams play yes. in this spring. That's 100%. And, and, and go from there. So, so what you're looking at, okay, so the proposal that this is going to be, she is reporting it to be from Leon County School Superintendent Rocky Hanna and some other superintendents from across the panhandle would flip baseball, softball, and track to the fall, along with golf and swimming, which are already fall sports. And then football, volleyball, and cross country would go to the spring, along with tennis. 
I mean, lacrosse is in there, but we don't play lacrosse. Right. So, yes. So, great point. So, football funds everything. It is the straw that stirs the drink in oh, everywhere. I mean, you know, some, not bowls, but mm-hmm. everywhere else mm-hmm. in North Florida, football pays for everything. So, now you're looking at maybe football in the spring. You don't know. You hope. But let's say, okay, we flip baseball and softball and track, which is totally non-revenue. Baseball and softball make a little money. Track, golf, swimming, all non-revenue. Well, now what if football doesn't happen in the spring? Now what do you do? So if I'm the AD, and I mean, I'm not telling, you know, Mike and principal here at Swanee High School, Ronnie Gray, they'll make these decisions, but I'm going to have to tell baseball and softball just without knowing anything else about it, just looking at it for what it is right now. Hey, man, you're just going to have to eat what you kill. Like whatever you can raise, that's what you're going to have to operate off of. I can't give you money this year because I have no idea what what that looks like, Um, especially without a football season. So... Man, I don't know. That's and, that's just weird, but I don't know. It's uh, Friday's a big day, and of course they're going to do it Friday at five o'clock to be the least you know controversial <laughs> when nobody's watching. But there's going to be a lot sneak of eyes back on off it. into yeah. the darkness. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, like okay, always, all right, everybody have a always, great weekend. <laughs> you always fire somebody on a Friday, right? So, <laughs> yeah, so I don't know, but that's when it's going to happen um, Friday afternoon. So we will have a big update hopefully next week regarding the FHSAA. And I would encourage you, if you if you have a, an opinion on this or you want your voice to be heard, you can go on the website, fhsa.org. You can look up the board of directors. And I'd shoot them an email and say, hey, listen, for whatever it's worth, I'm from here. I'm from Swanee. This is what we want. And, um, man, I think a lot of people here, we want to play. We want to get back to normal. We've been back in school for two days. Can't speak to any other school. I can tell you, Swanee Middle School, man, things has been great. Right. It's been smooth. It's been great seeing the kids. I think it's been good for everybody. They are so happy to be back. Yeah, man, it's been it's been great. We've had a great start, and, and hopefully it continues. But, um, yeah, big update coming next week. And speaking of big updates, you know, we talked about the SEC, ACC. Right now they're going to stay the course. I don't know what else there is to say about that. Some bad news for me the last week in regards to recruiting at Florida State, because Florida lands two big-time DBs. That's right, yes. Did you see this? Yes, Pal- Palmetto High School. Palmetto. So Palmetto has five dudes. It's incredible. Like five dudes in the ESPN 300 or something. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. It's saying, what do you go well, – like when you're looking at recruiting, do you look at ESPN or do you look at Rivals or 24-7? Like what's your go-to? For me, just because I have a subscription to 24-7, that's yeah. that's where the majority of my stuff comes from. See, um, I'm a Rivals guy. I don't know why. Just like, yeah, you I just kinda, you kind of have your you know your you choice and you, you ride out with it. Um, but like you said, Palmetto High School is, is just loaded, especially on the defensive side of the ball. It's just loaded with talent. So every school in the nation is trying yeah, to basically come got, get those kids. Got, so I think they've got like a nickname, kind of like the Fab Five. They're the Palmetto Five. Yes, I think, they, I think two, you're right on that. Two of them, I know both defensive linemen are committed to Miami. Yes. And then now two DBs, now the two DBs are, are at Florida. Florida. Um, and the bad thing is, the really bad thing for Florida State is that one of the DBs, Corey Collier, who committed this week, is an FSU legacy. Yes, so his dad both his parents. FSU. Both his parents. Yes. Jeez almighty. Yes. That. So he is ranked on Rivals 250. He is the number 17 overall prospect, mm-hmm. five-star guy, a safety and he commits to the Gators. And Florida State wasn't in the final three. But listen, I don't put any of that on Mike Norvell. I talked about it last week, and I'm not going to harp on it again. They just got to get on the field. If Florida State mm-hmm. can get on the field and look competent, like I think they're going to look, then recruits will come back. But until then, man, like it's just going to be tough right now. I mean, you're just not going to get the high-end guys. So call your 17 and Marshall 
what is his first name? Jason, Jason. Marshall? Yep, Jason Marshall. So Jr. he's in the 40s or 50s, and he's a high four-star guy on Rivals. And I think ESPN or 24-7 has him as a five-star. Right, it's, it's almost the opposite for 24-7. They have Jason Marshall as the five-star yeah. and Corey Collar as the four-star guy. He's 63, guy. 63 on the Rivals. Okay, and so I think Corey Collar's, I think, 83, somewhere yeah. in that 80s range. And then Jason Marshall, I think, is 29. So both really good players. Right. Really highly yeah. regarded players. Yeah, you're, you're talking top 100 regardless of what recruiting platform. Form you you get your information from. So to me, it was like a lose-lose anyway because their final two were Miami or Florida. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's hatred both ways for me. And just I'll, I'll speak from just being a Florida fan. Jason Marshall and the guy that committed to Miami very recently, Leonard Taylor, and Corey Collar, for the longest time, they were projected to go to Florida. And it's still early. They and, may. Right, right. You know, Leonard, Leonard Taylor, last year when uh, the University of Miami lost to the better school in the, the city of Miami, FIU, Leonard Taylor had a lot to say <laughs> on, on Twitter about that. You know, yeah. And and now after all this, and I, I think one of the things that we kind of talked a little bit about last week's episode, Florida's recruiting staff does a good job getting kids on campus and showing them that they're very personal on things. And I think they really fell behind the eight ball and really had to figure out how to do these virtual tours and these, these Zoom calls as far as recruiting. And I, I think that was a big pull for Miami there's just so many cats that are really good especially in this 2021 class that if you can just keep some of them kids down in Miami you're gonna have a top five class yes yeah, and, and here here you are seeing that you know regardless of them coming off a seven and six season uh-huh. they, they're one of the, the highest rated recruiting classes uh, but to have Jason Marshall jr. commit on Sunday afternoon to Florida was, was quite the pleasant shock for myself and yeah, that, he, that was really project, he was a he was projected to Miami. Yes, like the, Florida was. There was a third. lot. Yeah, it was Miami, yep, then Alabama, Bama, yep. and then Florida. There was a lot of Miami Hurricane, just uh, you know, crystal balls coming in, and just everything like that pointed to him going to Miami, and almost it seemed like a complete 180. He went back to where the whole time over his recruitment uh, process, he was projected to go. So. Corey Collar kept it a little bit closer to the vest. He didn't really say too much, but at the end of the day, he ended up having a couple crystal balls come in for Florida. And the only reason why I'm saying crystal balls is because, like I said, I use 24-7, and and that's kind of where they they project players are going to go based upon the people that work for them. So, really, the the secondary has has very much reloaded. Um, as as some some fans maybe like to call him Dopey Dan, you know, a couple weeks ago the sky was falling, Mullen couldn't recruit, Florida, <laughs> the Florida staff was incompetent, and now all of a sudden everyone's happy again wearing orange and blue. So that just speaks to the nature of this this back and forth time that we live in, and and just how fickle recruiting is, anyways, as it is, and it, it it's, it's it's a funny world to to do recruiting and keep up with that and so last week i said i think my quote was you know dan mullen just seemed kind of yeah and one of my buddies who listened to the podcast texted me he's like you can say it dude he's a dork that's what he is he's yeah. a dork yeah <laughs> so i mean it's crazy dude florida is now up to number two in the class rankings i didn't realize this i'm just looking at it now they have and that's on rivals commits. correct yeah. yes they have, they have a 25 very... commits so like they're done Basically, yeah. Because uh, you don't take more than 25 normally in a you class. Know, I, I think I saw somewhere where they said we could maybe fit three more in. Or um, somebody's getting dropped. Yes, there there is one guy that was a former walk-on that they've kept on scholarship these last couple of years. Honestly, because, like we said, Florida's recruiting hasn't been where some people would like it to be, but... It's kind of like what you talk about with FSU. Get on the field. Yeah, Norvell will grow the, grow the product, and it'll speak for itself, and then you're back to where you were right. recruiting. And I think Florida was in that boat a couple of years ago. Mullen had to come up here and say, hey, 
here, here's what I'm going to do. Here's how we're going to do it. And you know, don't believe me, just watch maybe. Right. And, and now here we are a couple years later after a couple, you know, uh, big bowl game wins and a couple, uh, you know, double digit win seasons. Here we are back to doing good on the recruiting trail. Uh, but yeah, Hunter, they're, they're out of 25 kid class. Maybe a couple other kids might come here, but and we said know, this earlier. So like, you know, in in football, especially at Miami, like decommit youth. <laughs> yes. Players players commit, and especially now. But like, if you do see games in the fall, and they are able to somehow get on campus for visits, it could change. But like twenty five, that's your class. I mean, you're close. Mm-hmm. Miami is at nine now overall in rivals with twenty one commits. And scrolling, 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 scrolling. There's Florida State at 31 with 14 commits. However, I will say this. Florida State does have some guys who are on the bubble, uh, yeah, commit think, watch, yeah, they're, who they're are some higher-rated yeah. higher guys. They're not, you know, up there in the top 50 or anything, but they're some higher-rated guys. So, yeah, that's, I don't know, that's a gut punch when a legacy goes to somewhere else. It really doesn't even consider Florida State. Who do you consider? I, I was having this conversation the other day, too. Real quick, who do you consider – Florida's biggest rival, FSU or Georgia? That that seems to swing, but I think more times than not, I would go with Georgia. Really? Just because of the SEC factor and trying to win the East. Uh, I mean, of course, you want to beat both of those schools every single year. It doesn't matter. And, and that's funny you asked me that because a good friend of mine, we, we have this conversation a lot. And uh, he is a, a Seminole like yourself. And he, he was actually kind of surprised that See, I said that. It's like for me, it is just a straight hatred of Florida. I don't know. I was raised to hate Steve Spurrier. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, that's just, I hate Florida. <laughs> Miami, I dislike Miami greatly, but I used to say it like, you know, Miami, I guess with Miami and Florida State fans, there was respect, and both of them just hated Florida. But yeah, like, that, I, yeah, think, that's fair. I think it's also geographical. Like up here, when we live where we live, Florida, Florida State's big. But if I was a Florida State fan living in, Fort Lauderdale, I may Might say be a little bit different. Miami's right. a bigger rival. But I am surprised to hear you say that Georgia is the bigger rival than Florida State. It, it's close. It, you know, you, you go back and forth a couple of years, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when Florida State was just beating the brakes off of Florida, somehow or another Florida found a way mm-hmm. to beat Georgia a couple of times. And yeah. now here we see Kirby Smart coming in and, you know, it's kind of like, okay, well, we haven't had much success since Kirby rolled in. But right. now in November when we play against Florida State, it, it's kind of flipped over now. So, Maybe emotions go into that, but I think more times than not, the 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 game itself, Florida Georgia, means more. I guess at the end of the day, to get to where you want to go, which is the conference championship, and we've seen it. You know, you have a loss and you win the SEC, you're going to more than likely be in the playoffs, especially now with it being sure. a fourteen playoff. So, not to say that you know it that wouldn't hurt at the end of the day, but let's say we beat Georgia in October and then we roll around to November and we slip up against Florida State. We still have a chance to represent the East, maybe to face an Alabama and LSU, whoever it may be that particular year, and win the SEC and you know overcome that loss and still have a chance to go for a national title. Okay. You you have that one loss versus Georgia. Well, guess what? Georgia's going to win the East, and then you're going to have to get stuck with the Orange Bowl every year or something like that, or the Sugar Bowl because they're they're on their way to the playoffs instead of you. I hear you, and I don't disagree with you. I mean, it's it's. Um... Just to me, man, the Florida, Florida State, that November 20-whatever-it-is, man, It's that's the day. That is the day. Miami's great. Miami's a big rivalry. Clemson's now a big rivalry. Kind of like Tennessee for y'all. I think Clemson yes. for us is kind of your Tennessee. But, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see where it goes this year. 
So real quick, off the cuff, I'm going to do something off the cuff. Haven't talked about this. We're just going to do it. Let's go W's and L's for Florida on their schedule this oh, year. Oh, boy. Just W's and L's. I just want to know your thoughts. Well, while you're doing that, I just – I, I want to – Let's do off the cuff. I got off the cuff for you okay. while you while you pull up the schedule. Okay. How happy was Felipe Franks, who is now an Arkansas Razorback, <laughs> poor, that poor Joker, that he now gets to play Florida and Georgia as the two conference games that Arkansas. God drew. bless, dude. So they did Arkansas. They did no favors. <laughs> like, no favors. Like, hey, Sam Pittman, how's it going? Boom, here's your schedule. Here you go. Good luck. So you get to play Florida, Georgia out of the East. You get to play Bama. You get to play Auburn. You get to play LSU. You get Mississippi. You get Mississippi State. Good God, that poor joker. And I Felipe think Franks is going to get maimed. F- Felipe Franks' confidence is through the roof, so he just sees these as Ws regardless of what's going on. Maimed. What? How do you have a bye week two? Anyway, <laughs> whatever. Okay, all right, so straight Ws and Ls without thinking about it, and then we'll We'll do Florida State. We'll talk right. about Florida State. We'll do that. All right. Kentucky. Close, but W. All right. Tennessee. Again, close, but W. Ooh. South Carolina. That's yeah, that, that's a W. a w. <laughs> LSU. New quarterback. Nobody knows. Lost a ton. No and, and, Joe Brady calling plays. No, and they lost their D.C. as well. I think there's just too much unknown, and this is not the year to have to replace all these guys uh-huh. like we talked about last week. So, again, I'm going to go with the W. You got them 4-0. Ole Miss. That's going to be a fun game. I think it's going to be closer to what some people expect. Because none of this matters. Home field doesn't matter. There's no right. Fans. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, let's go, let's go W. Five and zero. Ten thirty one. Played somewhere. Not sure. Jacksonville, Athens, Gainesville, Georgia. As as much as they want to keep it in Jacksonville, they're, they're going to try and keep it in Jacksonville. From what I've heard from both uh, ads. Man, that's a tough one. I still think we might be a year away. And Georgia somehow slips through and gets that done, but that's going to be a very fun game. I don't mean, know who their quarterback's going to be. Could yep. be the transfer from USC, JT Daniels. Could, Could be the be transfer Jamie from Newman. Wake Forest, yep. Jamie Newman. They Just both have immediate eligibility, so immediate they're, they're going to have to figure that out. All right, so you go on WRL. I'll, I'll go Georgia, oh and I will probably not be allowed to <laughs> ever be back on this podcast again. Yeah, in yeah. Public yeah. Square. <laughs> All right, Vandy. W. Come on, W. Yeah. Missouri. W. All right, and then the two games. So you got Texas A&M. We don't know when yet. Texas A&M. Yeah, I, I know that Arkansas is coming to Gainesville, and we are going to College Station to play Texas A&M. Uh, I don't think the dates have been set, like you said. Yeah. But I, I think both of those will will be catered so up. You have nine and one, dude. I do. You are confident. I do. I do, and I, I really want to say ten and zero. But I, you know, if if uh, if you had to bet the farm that I don't own. I would still have to go with Georgia because I still think that that roster, that defense is just stacked. We both know that Terry, Terry and Candy Vickers have a huge farm and a huge wads <laughs> that of I, That I'm never around. allowed back on ah! now. Yes, yes. All right. All right, so let, let me get up Florida State schedule for you, and I'll, I'll, I'll let you ask because uh, I, I, I There's going to be a, a lot more L's than you just named, I, I can promise you. I, all right, so it looks like they're going to start their season – September 12th yep. versus Georgia Tech. W. That's your old buddy Jeff Collins, former. That's Gator right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They might have, they might throw a forward pass this year. They are. Yeah, maybe maybe not in the other direction because they had a couple bad interceptions <laughs> last year. All right, Samford, next opponent. God, if we don't win that, then burn down the stadium. <laughs> Miami. Loss. I hate it, but loss. At Notre Dame is next. Loss. Man, 
y'all got a, a bad schedule. Yes. You know, you're you're kind of like the Arkansas Razorbacks, just look, like really this this is how you're gonna treat us. Yeah. Uh, versus North Carolina. So I don't know, man. That's a coin flip for me. Sam Howell, who was committed to Florida State forever, for a very long is time. the quarterback yeah. there. Um, man, I'd love to say Florida State. Maybe I'll change my mind in a month. L. Okay. Louisville. Okay, so yeah. I'm going to go W. So let's just say this. UNC, one of those two is going to be a win. The other one's going to be a loss. I'm not sure which. Between North Carolina and Louisville? Yeah. Okay. All right, so next up, we'll start your November schedule. That'll be versus Pittsburgh. Yeah, I saw where a couple of their, at least one of their really good D linemen, maybe two, um, pulled out for the mm -hmm. season. So I'll go W because of that. Okay. We can't, I don't know that we can stop them from maiming our quarterback, but maybe we can. Okay. And next up is uh, at North Carolina State. Yeah, they're terrible. That better be a W. And then next is Clemson. <laughs> Quite the opposite of terrible. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> uh, Virginia. That'll yeah, be a fun game. That's kind of like the North Carolina. So they lost Bryce Perkins, their quarterback. Uh, man, give me a W. Okay. There you go. And finishing off with at Duke. Coin flip again, but I'll go W. So what did I? How many losses did I have? I had one, two, three. Four. Yeah. So what's that? Six and four. Six and four. Okay. Yeah. Six and four, but five. Let's say this. Six and four is. I'll go there. Five and five is way more likely than seven and three. How about that? There you go. Okay. okay. I, I like that. Right. You know, it, it's, a, it's a it's a developing year, nonetheless. And it is. That that's a tough schedule to it try is. and develop. It is. Uh, you know, a team with with very little offseason prep. I got you. Yeah. There's no doubt. It is. It is. But last thing I want to talk about today, I know we're going to get into Dan's interview here shortly, but one of the things that, that Dan and I talked about a little bit pre-interview before we talked was this ninth grade group coming up at Swanee. Yes. And I know when we get into the season or get closer to the season, we're going to talk about offense, we're going to talk about defense. But I really wanted to know about the ninth graders because last year was my first year at Swanee Middle School, so I saw every game these kids played as eighth graders, and I was just amazed at the depth mm -hmm. and the talent. So there's really high-end talent, but there's a lot of depth. And Dan talks about it, but before we got into it, or before he talked about it, I wanted to talk a little bit about it to finish us up today. And, man, I think Swanee fans are really, in a couple years, you're not going to hear much about these kids this year because they're going to play JV, if there is JV. Mm -hmm. You know, we haven't even discussed that. Mm -hmm. But, man, this is a really, really, really solid group. And so... When Dan and I were talking about it, he was just mentioning names. And one of the things I would compare it to, Brad Scarborough, he's our head coach at Swanee Middle School. Brad's been there forever um, coaching football. And he compared this group to the group that graduated in 2014. And that was the Aaron McAllister, Denzel Washington, um, Stephen Potter, mm -hmm. Kari Blaylock, Tristan Hill transferred in, but that mm -hmm. group. And um, we're all in that same area, you know, the 14-15 group. And so he compared them to that. And I know Dan wasn't here for that group, but when I when I was going down, I was like, dude, you know, he's got a, a great point. And so we knew back then when Aaron McAllister came over, man, we knew he was going to be great. We knew Denzel Washington was going to be really good. Well, Denzel's cousin is the running back for this group. I think it's his cousin. I could be wrong. It could be his nephew. But his name's Marquavius Owens. And so Bulldog fans need to remember that name because he is – I don't want to say he's Denzel. Let's say he's Denzel Light right now, okay. but he could be Denzel because Denzel, I don't know if you remember Denzel yes. those years, but he was Gainesville Some Player of the Year. Yeah. 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 Gainesville Some Player of the Year. Denzel could turn a nothing hole, just a small hole, and just all of a sudden he squirts through it, he's gone, and you just never saw it. So with him, he's got a chance to be a really good player. But then it was like every kid we talked about with Dan and I was just like another one, another one, another one. 
And the thing about the 2014 group was kids who didn't even star in middle school became really good players. And that's where I think this group's kind of the same as the depth and the number of them. So we were going down the list and um, linemen, man, that's one thing in Swanee we don't usually just breed as a lot of linemen. Right. Well, this group has a kid named Mason Tompkins who is just mean and nasty. Justice Leggett, who's another kid who just gets after it and just um, is really, really going to be a good player. Um, then you talk about like a linebacker types, Preston Baker. Uh, Preston's going to be as good as he wants to be. Same thing with Xavier Watts. Just guys who are, whoever, however good they decide to be, however hard they decide to work, they're going to be that good. And then you have two twins, Sam and Will Wainwright, who play defensive end and linebacker. Man, really good players. Caden McKire, P.J. Davis, Cody Lang's the quarterback for this group. And, you know, who knows? You don't know what they're going to be. Right mm-hmm. now he's the quarterback. He may end up being something else. It could be position. somebody else could, could be quarterback. You don't know, but he was really good for us last year. So it's like every kid you were talking about, there's a kid named Jacob Dyer who um, his dad's the chaplain um, for for the for the football team. Man, just another kid. And their kids are all big. It's a really big group. It's a really good group. And so I just wanted to mention some names out there. Uh, Jadarius Cherry. Jadarius didn't even get to play much last year because he was hurt, broke a thumb, broke a wrist, something like that. But he, I saw him the other day. Man, he has grown, it seems like, three, four inches over the summer. Looks great. Um Dejuan Perkins, another one, wide receiver, DB type. So I know I'm going to miss a couple, but I was just thinking about those kids today and how many of them there are. And so when Dan talks about them, just some names for us to remember in the future. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, I've all leaned on your area of expertise as far as being over there and getting a chance to see them a lot. But it, it sounds like Bulldog fans have plenty to look forward to. And just yeah. we, we know what Marcy is capable of doing, and we know right. he's going to get the most and out of I these think kids. That's the thing about these kids is they seem to be a really coachable group. I think they're a group that's going to stick together and stick tight um, the way they seem. And so, yeah, man, it's going to be a really exciting time in, in a year or two. A lot of these guys are going to see time, I think, as sophomores, so that'll be great. Let's get into that interview with Coach Dan Marcy. He talks about the ninth grade class and social distancing and new workout regimens and everything like that that he had to get into. So let's go yes. ahead and dive on into that interview. All right, so we're here joined by Coach Marcy today, and thank you for joining us, Coach Marcy. Things have probably looked a little bit different this offseason compared to other offseasons. So how have workouts looked this year due to social distancing and just any other? This has by far been the most challenging summer in my 20 years of coaching. I mean, it, everything, what started off is we're just trying to come up with a plan for what do we do for kids now they've had two months of no time. That's how it all started. We were thinking when the coronavirus first hit, we got shut down. We were thinking, okay, we're going to be out for a month, maybe two months, and then we're going to go back to normal. Never in my wildest imagination did I think it was going to turn into working out in small groups, maintaining social distance, using no spotters, going three or four months. It, it, it was a huge challenge. So with, with the kids being gone for so long, was there any extra emphasis put on anything whenever you notice the kids being back? It's like, oh, we, we got to get this right with them being gone for so long. Well, when we first got shut down, my approach was we, we're going to send you workouts at home that they can do at home and get moving and doing things. But then the longer it extended, the more we knew that the reality was the kids aren't going to do it. I mean, they're at home, they're locked up at home, they're getting involved in other things, they're on their video games at night, not getting the rest. So we finally were able to bring them back on June 1st. We went all the way back to, let's just see where they're at mobility-wise. Not strength-wise, can we still perform a squat? Because they've been sitting on a couch for so long. 
You know, how is their backs holding up being in a prone state compared to an active state? There were all kind of things that we had to evaluate all over again. So it was almost like every kid on our campus, we took the approach, this is the first time we've seen them. So we went back to grassroots, did our evaluation process without weight, moving our body weights, moving PVC pipes, just to see where they're at before we actually progressed into true resistance training. So it was a start, it was like a reset for the whole school system, basically. And Dan, I think um, you've received a lot of credit, and rightfully so, for the plan you put together. Um, and having come out some this summer and watched the workouts and seen the different groups and things like that, was that something you kind of started thinking about early, early on when you said, you know, once you realized, hey, we're going to have to kind of start from scratch, is that something you started putting together? Or is that something, you know, you've, I know, served on a lot of boards, the FACA, uh, things like that. Is that something where you communicate with other guys around the state to say, hey, let's, let's come up with something for everyone? Well, what really happened was it started off, like I said, I contacted some coaches that I really respected in our group that have been around the state. It's hard to find somebody that's older than me now, it seems right. like. Um, but I contacted you know, Rich Lansky, Corian, several coaches that are highly respected. And we started, our original plan was, how do we get our kids back to moving? Because these kids have been playing sports since they were in elementary school. They've never had this downtime. So we were thinking about how we get them back. Next thing I knew, we started incorporating college coaches and we kind of started a national federation that we were really, then it became into the Corona thing. We had to invite doctors and lawyers. Um, it became more than we ever imagined. The longer we were out, the bigger it became because we knew we had to get back at certain times. So we had even several people that work at the CDC, they were involved in helping us on how we designed the program. Now I was being in Swanee County, it was very fortunate that our superintendent was very proactive on getting these kids back. We happened to be the first to be able to start on June 1st. So a lot of eyes were on us in the beginning to see how this process would take place because most schools at the earliest were starting were June 14th, June 21st. We were able to come in on the first. So I had a lot of input and I never in my wildest dreams would have realized I would become a custodian after every lift. I mean, cause we were spraying <laughs> everything after every lift. Kids couldn't touch the same bar that somebody else was using without it being touched. And that, that in itself was a huge challenge. And the working from early in the morning to late at nights, you know, just doing things because it couldn't bring them in more than groups of five in the beginning. I mean, it was, and it wasn't just me. Our whole coaching staff was involved, which made it a, amazing that we could set times and coaches were being there every day. It was, from a planning, it was a nightmare, but actually with implementation, it wasn't as bad because our coaches were so involved. You touched on it a little bit, uh, Coach Marcy, and I just want to maybe have you go into a little bit more detail. Uh, what just extra sanitation process went into just doing lifting and just doing any kind of what was perceived as a normal workout back in the day? Now, I'm sure there's a lot of extra steps that go into it. Well, we changed a lot of our approach because, you know, trying to maintain social distance in a weight room is very, very difficult just from a spotting aspect. So we knew the spotting aspect wasn't going to be there. So we had to be more or less morphed into a more Olympic program, where so it's more like Olympic lifting, the clean and jerk and the snatch that don't require the spotters. We also knew we couldn't push the weight being used to an extent because there's no spotters. So we're not gonna have a kid squat at maximal loads when there's no one there to support him. So basically those were some of the challenges that we had to come, in, come into play. But the little things with sanitation would be, we would use, we have 10 platforms in our weight room. We start out just using five for the first group 
put cones on the others that couldn't be used. So the kids were had their own bar, their own weights. They changed their own thing. And when that group left, before the next group came in, they went to the unused platforms. And that bought us a little bit more time to clean even more thorough, to get the other, as that group left, while they were getting involved in their workout, while I'm coaching, I'm spraying and wiping everything down that was touched. So it was definitely a challenge. Our kids accepted it great. I mean, they were really actively involved. They, knew, they were aware of what's coming on. Um, those were just the things in the weight room. The things outside the weight room were just as big of a challenge when they come in doing our daily health screens, doing temperature checks, doing respiratory checks. All those things had to come into play. And not to mention, we couldn't run outside first because we have the heat acclimation. Well, these kids have been locked up for two months. We're not going to take them outside in Florida heat the first for two weeks. We've got to get them moving in. So we had, had different stations. And not just that, we had to plan maps of where the kids when they enter so that we were never crossing. So there was a lot that went into it that the kids accepted great. Dan, something that um, Coach Braun talked about last week, and I was just curious personally, having been at the middle school last year, you've been doing this for over 20 years now, 25 years. How does this group coming into ninth grade compare physically? Because I, I see them as one of the top two or three groups in my you know 11 years in the school system. How do they compare physically coming over to other groups you've seen at the places you've been? They are very physically advanced. You can tell their natural movement patterns are better than the groups we've received previously. And that's a natural thing that these kids you know, just happen to be a good group. But the best part of this group is they're very coachable. Mm -hmm. They came in, they adapted well into our program. And the beauty of this whole summer was we were able to bring them in by themselves and not have to throw them in with everybody. Because what's being small groups, they've maintained the whole month of June in their own groups. So they were on a totally different plan. We can get a better evaluation of them. And it's things that we've even talked about as coaching staff that we're going to continue in the future so that these kids don't feel, you know, you come in as a freshman and you're happy that you can clean and jerk the bar. You're standing next to Jock Wes Moore who's clean and jerking 340. There's that intimidation factor. And by July, when we were able to incorporate them with our varsity, they meshed right in. They, you could tell that they understood the coaching that, that we usually don't get to do until the first week of school. Yeah. They, they were understanding our concepts, our movements that we do, and they were able to flow with the room. But as far as their actual abilities, they remind me a lot of the class that Coach Hall was in with Kyler, Kelly, Jarvis. It was just a special group, and that was back in 97 when they came in. And I see a lot of that in this group, not just from the athletic standpoint, but from the mental side of it, being coachable. That's the most valuable thing a kid can be is actually accept what the coaches are telling you. Yeah, and one of the things you mentioned in that is that, you know, they got to stay by themselves because of COVID. Has there been anything because of COVID that you probably never would have tried that because of COVID you had to do that you said that going forward you're thinking, hey, we may keep doing this because it worked so well. There's a lot of it. I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know, we can talk about the negativity of COVID because we've all experienced that. But the positive sides of it that we were able to pick out, the small groups I want to stay with every summer as far as with the young group coming in separate from the varsity. You know, those things, some of our, wor our workouts changed dramatically because we didn't have the luxury of using everything in our weight room. So we had to scale down exactly what we do. I think we got more quality work out of that. You know, the Olympic lifts, I think, really increased our explosion. We've always 
done the clean and jerk, and we've done snatches, but never to the extent we did in the summer. We've really increased doing more snatch work, and you can just see our movement patterns have improved so much because we've snatched heavier because it was one of the lifts that we could do without a spotter. So, and that was something that we've always kind of skirted around, not snatching heavy, more using as an auxiliary lift. Well, now it, all of a sudden it became a core lift. And I'm a believer in it from what I saw this summer from our kids, they took straight to it. At first, you know, yeah, they were like, oh, we've never really snatched heavy, but all of a sudden they're loving doing it. And there, it was a kind of a new, a new life to them because the weight room is like anything else. If you keep doing the same things, even though they're great, the boredom sets in the mind now you start to lose them mentally when we were able to come in and change the workouts you could just see a new sense of freshness to them that and to me as a coach is things i haven't coached as hard in the past that i now i'm coaching even harder so i mean there's a lot of things that i can see us especially with the olympic lifts being more involved staying away from as much we don't, we're not gonna do as much auxiliary stuff in the future you know we, we've been big on a lot of auxiliary lifts well, now we stuck to the core this summer, and I think it's really, we, it got us back faster than I ever expected. How do you expect to translate just all these workouts, and you said that there's new workouts that you've done. How do you expect that to translate onto the field? First of all, you know, any strength coach, your job is, first and foremost, is prevent injuries. That's our job. I mean, before instead of getting stronger, if any strength coach tells you that they're not prevent injury prevention first, they're telling you the wrong thing. So that is number one in my mind every day we go in the weight room is I want to give the coaches a product that can practice on the field. Second is of course to get stronger and faster. And those, they go hand in hand. We've, we've got to move weight fast to be fast. And strength is speed. And that's what we tell our kids. If you're moving slow, then it's not, then it's not a sport idea. Um, we're not into bodybuilding. We're not trying to you know, make a kid look good. We want a kid to play good. So there's a totally different training modalities than what you see in the local local weight rooms. I mean, it's not something you would see, not downing the, the bodybuilder that works out. That's It's a different modality of everything we do. Um, so I really am excited about what we're doing because you're seeing the product now. Well, just, uh, I have one more final question, Hunter. I'm not sure if you got anything after that, but just, we're still in the summer workouts for the time being, moving forward when we actually get into the regular season. Do you see any changes in how the workouts are gonna be done, how they've been conducted? There's, it's so fluid right now. Um, we're one of the few schools that have actually been able to go into their weight room. There's so many different ideas out there. Some people say, you know, you don't need to be inside, you need to be outside all the time. Some people say, you don't need to be outside. So. It's more or less, you've got to take the leap of faith. What do you believe in? Um, I do expect changes as we go. I mean, I'm not going to be the one to say this is, I can't plan the whole season of workouts out right now. It's going to be being flexible, being able to adapt as we go. Now we've got a plan going in that we're hoping that will go into effect, but I'm not planning more than a week at a time all year. Because if I do, I think I'm going to be set myself up for failure. And so we're just going to have to feel the vibe of the community and the virus as we go. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time, Coach Marshall. Yeah, man, we really enjoyed it. Thank you, Dan, for uh, coming on with us today and hope, hope everybody got something out of that because it was certainly very interesting. Thank you. So that was Coach Dan Marcy joining us here to Sons of Swanee Sportscast. Thank you, Coach Marcy, for coming by and spending a little bit of time with Hunter and I and educating us on... Uh, I'm gonna be honest. A lot of terms I did not know. Man, just just uh, strong, nod your head. And strong said, yeah, yeah, Alex coach, I know Trebek. What you're about. The Alex Trebek of weightlifting vocabulary. So, so as as we kind of said on the front end of this interview, we know that these kids are in good hands, and um, he he certainly has done a lot to 
get this program right and he's going to just continue to do it the best he can with, with the guidelines that we have set up for the time being but that's all the time we got for today we certainly appreciate you all listening on this is our second episode we're going to continue to grow this uh just a reminder we can find you can find us on spotify the anchor.fm slash sons of swanee that is the platform that we host this podcast on apple podcast and google podcast so also find us on facebook and twitter sons of swanee sportscast uh give us a follow Send in some topics, ideas. Say what you uh, thought of these last couple episodes. Let me know if I can sleep on your couch because I said Florida would lose to Georgia this year. Because I, yeah, I don't think I'm gonna have any luck with that. But Hunter, I appreciate you coming by and spending some time with us, and uh, we we will talk to you guys next week. Yes, sir.